Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders just like you who are investing in the faith and the future of the next generation. I'm your host, Trey McKnight, and in this season of the podcast, we're interviewing leaders and authors who are creating resources to help us lead the generation to be more human. And we're so excited for you to get to hear this conversation with our interviewer, Mitchell McGee, and our guest, Amanda Roman Leak. Amanda grew up in the melting pot of Chicago, Illinois. She's a longtime creative, proud of her Latin roots, and embraces the many facets of culture, her own, as well as others. Amanda and her husband, Ryan, reside in Dallas, Texas, where they are raising their two boys, Jackson and Roman, with opportunities to soak in their own cultural experiences. The dream of writing a book that celebrates cultural diversity from a child's point of view is now a reality in Jackson and the Not-So-Colorful Day, and it is Amanda's greatest hope that as families read it, they'll be inspired to see the beauty of cultures all around them. We can't wait for you to get to learn from her, so let's dive into the conversation now. Oh my goodness, I am so excited about this conversation today. We have Amanda Roman Leek with us today. Amanda, how are you? Hey, hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm so good, and I can't tell you how excited I am to introduce you and your new book to the orange audience. This is so beautiful. How, I mean, can you can you believe this? It's been a long time coming. This is this is not a quick uh, venture that you go into. What I've discovered, um, children's books take a long time. So I holding it in my hands feels so so good. Yeah, and not just that, it actually does feel good to the touch. I can't wait for our uh, our listeners to actually get one of these in their hands. Now, Amanda, listen, today we are here on the Think Orange podcast. We're so excited to talk about your book, Jackson and the Not-So-Colorful Day. And our listeners today, they are leaders, they're parents, they deeply care about the next generation as I know you do too. And I can't tell you how excited I am to give people handles to figure out how to navigate some of the conversations that Jackson brings up into the world. But before we do that, I think we need to know who Amanda Roman Leek is. So who is Amanda Leek? Yes. Well, thank you for saying my all of my names. I really appreciate that. That's super yeah. important to me. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Chicago. Um, I briefly moved to Atlanta as a young adult, met my husband, Ryan, Ryan Leek. And uh, we settled in Dallas and we live here now. We have two boys, Jackson, my eldest, and then I have another little son named Roman, um, my maiden name. So yeah, so we're raising two boys. I'm a boy mom living in Dallas. Um, my husband travels and speaks. He's on several teaching teams and we dabble in that world of ministry. That's awesome. I love that. I know I did hear two boys. I'm, I've got four girls. So I'm on the opposite spectrum. So I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to hear some of your parenting journey uh, today. But I heard you mention one of your son's names is Jackson. The title of the book is Jackson and the Not So Colorful Day. So I'm assuming this book has a little something to do with your child. It does. And he, you know, was definitely the inspiration behind the character Jackson in the book. And, you know, when you sit down to write a children's book, your characters need personalities. And I went back and forth with what kind of personality does Jackson have? And one day when my son was sliding down the banister, I realized 
the character lives in my home. I have to do no <laughs> further research. He's here. So you'll get to meet not only Jackson, the character, but know that it's also my Jackson as well. That's so good. So I'm assuming he had a little bit to do with this, not just the character, but maybe with the concept of the book. What, like in your mind, what was the catalyst for you writing a children's book? Yeah. Uh, well, so like I said before, you know, we lived in, grew up in Chicago, which is an extremely big melting pot of a city. I'm Puerto Rican. My husband's black. He also grew up in Chicago. And I went to an extremely multicultural school my whole life. And then I moved to Texas and had <laughs> enough said, right? So just different. It's just a little different culture. It's a little different culture. And so my son was here and we put him in a school and he was the only black or Latin kid in the school. And I didn't mind it at first. And then I thought I really need to expose him to more variety of cultures. And so we found a kindergarten and it was extremely diverse. And one day on his fifth birthday, when I looked up, I saw that he had um, an Indian friend and he had a Middle Eastern friend and he had a black friend. And I just thought if I could freeze this moment for Mm. him right now and have him carry the message of this moment that he doesn't even understand the impact of it. If I can freeze this for him, and he can carry this throughout his life, how much more uh, valuable of a person will he be? Jeez, that's beautiful. I want that for my kids. I mean, in fact, where we live as a family right now is, it's mostly white. And I remember showing up for my kids' first concert at their school when they were in kindergarten. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, where... Where's everybody at? Um, mm. Because I wanted what you actually got to experience for your kids. And so uh, we fight for that for our families. And I thank you so much for writing this book because it's so helpful for us to even see as a family. Now, listen, in your book, I love it, but you write so beautifully about these kids' uniquenesses like you speak to. And, um, you know, they're such a diverse audience. Now, was this ever... I know you're seeing it in your child, but was that ever a real moment for you? Like, was that a struggle for you growing up? Is it even a kid? Yeah, look, you know, like I said, I... I grew up in a very diverse um, city, and so that felt very natural for me. And so if you were to ask me at the time, are you okay with diversity? I would say absolutely, until I got positioned in a different city that wasn't Chicago. And then all of a sudden, all of my fears about reaching out to somebody who doesn't look like me or talk like me or think what I think kind of manifested. So when I moved to the South, I went from a very multicultural work environment to one that I was the only um, Latina working at that school at the time. And so, yeah, I think that as adults, we are not being truthful if we say that these conversations are not just challenging to have with children, they're challenging to have with ourselves. Um, I think that there is a real special treat in bringing this topic to children as children because there's no fear there. There's this fine line, and this is why I wrote the book. I think that there's this, to this age group specifically, 
I think there's this fine line where children don't see differences. You know, we see these viral videos of a black kid and a white kid and they think they're siblings. I mean, they really believe that they're siblings. This is my sister. This is my brother. We're twins, you know, and clearly we can see the difference, but they can't. And I think that there's a beauty to that naivety of, you know, we don't see that there's any differences between us, but then there is an age where you do start to notice differences. And I think that if we can capture that age group and if we can turn that curiosity into appreciation, then that curiosity doesn't turn into fear because Mm. it is natural for us to push away what doesn't feel comfortable to us. And so this book is a way of opening that conversation for children and hopefully as adults to say, how can I make myself just a tad bit uncomfortable today and reach out across to somebody else who naturally I wouldn't reach out to? Man, that's really strong. Um, I love that so much. Uh, When I think about this book, I think about all of the different personalities. I think about all of the different colors. I mean, they're artists in this book. All of these kids having, you know, something that's so unique about them. And then I think about myself as a youth pastor years ago. And I think about all of the diverse and different students that came in and out of my, um, you know, my fold at a church. And so I think for a leader today, what's really cool for them is to hear that every kid in your youth program isn't going to be the same. And I don't know, you said you're, you know, you're in ministry, you know, you and Ryan are both in ministry. And was there ever a struggle or is there a struggle in ministry? I know it was for me to surround yourself with just students who look like you and talk like you and feel the same as you, because that just feels natural. Is there anything in your mind that a leader could do as a youth leader or as a student leader or as a a children's leader to make sure they're doing the extra thing to reach out to a kid who may look different or sound different or even be different? Yeah, I think it's twofold. One, I think, you know, if there's a, a child or an adolescent in any environment or even an adult, and, um, if it's hard for you as a leader to reach out to them, it's that much harder for them to be there. Mm. Um, and so I think that's really important to keep in mind. I think this topic if it's kept at the forefront of your mind, because really we're talking about kindness and empathy. And if that's kept at the forefront of your mind and you're making decisions in that way, I think it's going to be super helpful. One of of the things that as I was writing this book, you know, I always, I kept thinking about uh, Fred Rogers and he's Mr. Mm -hmm. Rogers to us, right? If you remember, right. (laughs) If you're old enough to remember, he was a really big inspiration for me because he took these really challenging topics and he brought them down to, to kind of bite-sized chews for all of us, for, um, for children. And he was very adamant that he was also speaking to the parents as well. And so as I was writing this book, something that came to mind was, you know, in the Bible, when Jesus says to bring all of the children to him, to let mm-hmm. all of the children come, he doesn't first stop and say, but separate them and then send me the important ones first. And I'll get to them in subcategories. And we know that that's not his heart at all. He just said, let all the children come to me. (laughs) And I think as leaders, if we can take on that mindset, especially working with children and youth and young adults of all, let all of the young adults come to me. Let all of the children come to me and let me have my hands out open enough that I'm not closing the circle, but I'm making a bigger one around them. 
man, you're preaching today. <laughs> I mean, it literally brings tears to my eyes thinking about how I used to treat students and engage with sure. students. And I wish I could go back and bring them all in and create yeah. a strategy to bring them all in because I know it's not natural. And I know for some leaders listening today, that may be a temptation for them is to just work in their nature. But as leaders, we're called to a higher standard, which means welcoming all and creating systems and, and ways to do that. So, man, thanks for saying that. Let's, uh, let's pull back a little bit um, and lighten it up a little bit. I want to hear about these characters in the book. Um, tell us just a little bit about Jackson's story. I know you can't let it all out because, again, <laughs> go buy the book and yeah. read it. But tell us a little about, about Jackson. Yeah. Who these, and who are these characters in the book, you know? Yeah, I'm really excited to tell you about the characters, especially because these are my son's real friends that I added to this book. So they're full of so cool. um, character and personality. But um, so so Jackson and the Not So Colorful Day is it's a book about this boy, Jackson. He's an artist and his grandfather is an artist, too. His grandfather is his guide throughout the book. And um, and he's he's very, very confident about his skills in artistry. <laughs> Specifically, he's a crayon artist. And he can do a lot with his crayons. And he's a little overconfident about his ability to see color. And um, and one day he, he goes to bed and he's excited about this art show. He's going to wake up and, and attend and win in his mind. And when he wakes up, the world has lost its color. So he goes on this journey with his grandfather um, to figure out where the color has gone in his world. And so as the Jackson loses color, the story also loses color as well. Now Jackson goes on this journey and as he goes on this journey to the art show, he picks up his friends along the way and they're all artists as well. And he's, you know, Jackson is uh, somewhat of a moody kid. And so he's excited about the art show. And then he's kind of, you know, sad that he can't find color. And we go on this journey with him and he finally reaches the art show. And um, to his surprise, he still hasn't seen any color um, until this one really magical moment in the book where uh, a friend asks him to turn around and he realizes where the source of all the color in his world mm -hmm. was actually coming from. And his grandfather is there as a guide to kind of show him that, you know, you don't have to win an art show to be a work of art and that perhaps it's the people in your lives that add color to your world. Wow. That's cool. The grandpa, he reminds me so much of my granddad growing up. Um, I called him Papa and I did everything with him and he was so patient with me and he would do everything in his eyes to help me see the world differently. And so I appreciate so much that you brought a, grand, a grandparent mm -hmm. into this story. Now, is this like, is this a real life grandparent? Like, did this come from someone y'all know? Yeah, you know, I I knew I wanted him to have a guide in the story. I knew that I wanted him, the guide, to have somewhat of a um, father-like role in his life. Um, and then I just thought, you know, we there's so many multi-generational family homes right now with grandparents living in the home. Yeah. And there's just, you know, as parents, sometimes you're caught up in doing all of the things for your kids. And so the reality is that grandparents have a little extra patience for your kids. Yeah. And um, yeah, and they've lived twice the life that you have. So they have twice the, the wisdom, hopefully. Yeah. And and I just thought he was a good um, 
example to Jackson of how to live his life. And in the book, you know, he tells Jackson, I lost all the color in my world once too. And and they're both artists and they have this bond. Um, I think it's so important to, as leaders, to, to really, to love on these children, to love on these youth and adults, but also to encourage them to be part of a family unit and to honor parents and to honor grandparents. And so that's why I thought it was a really special idea to add a grandfather to the story. Yeah. Yeah. There was something really beautiful, even about as frustrated as Jackson seems, which we all get frustrated, right? Because Mm -hmm. we want our way and we want our thing to happen. But there was this beautiful trust that he had with his grandpa, which I loved so, so much. Um, now listen, I have my favorite character in the book and I want, I want to tell you who it is in just a second. Um, but I need to know from you, like you wrote this thing, who's your favorite character other than than Jackson. And we're not going to, we're not going to show Jackson this. Okay. So if it's somewhere other than Jackson. Uh, like who's your favorite character? Who you most? No, that's that's so hard. That's like picking a favorite child. <laughs> I but you can't. Know, hey, listen. Okay, I'm a dad of four. I've already told you this. Right, and there right. are seasons that I have favorite kids. Okay, yeah. I know people say you can't have a favorite, but you can yeah. have a favorite. So there's not one who's okay. like who stands out. Who you're like, I love this character. Okay, I'll give you a little insight. Um, Olivia, a character in the story. She's yep. Latina. So I relate to her, but she has a little sister and it's actually, um, I based this uh, little sister off of a friend of mine's daughter and she's so adorable. Her name's Avery and she has down syndrome oh. and I really wanted to include her in the story. And so I added her as, um, as a secondary character, you just see her visually. Um, But I thought that the illustrator, Anna, did such a great job of really illustrating her to perfection, her little joy and her little glasses and and so sweet. So that's just a little extra tidbit. If you look at the story, Olivia's little sister in the book is actually based off of a friend of mine. So yeah, the detail is actually crazy. I know I've been holding this book up, but you know, as you go through it, like these kids, like you can, you can see their personalities yeah. in every drawing, in every, um, in every page. And then with every conversation that comes up, you see a lot more of them. In fact, I'm going to tell you who my favorite is now. Okay. It's Akshaya. Yes. Um, did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> yeah, perfect. Akshaya. Akshaya. Okay. Like Akshaya is the friend that every human needs, right? <laughs> yes. It's like, she stays with you and she stays with you and she's patient with you until it's the moment. And she's like, Hey buddy, yeah, it's been here the whole time. Like just look around yeah. you. And there's this beautiful moment with Akshaya and Jackson near the end of the book. And I'm not going to spill it for everybody, okay. but where Akshaya just looks at Jackson and allows him to understand what really has been there the whole time in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. And I want friends like that. Like when you think about, Mm-hmm. you know, like youth leaders and parents and, you know, we're fighting for our kids to have friends like Akshaya. Like, what are you doing in your kids' worlds to nurture friendships like this or mentors like this? Or, you know, did you have anybody like this in your life, Amanda? Like, yeah, I mean, friendship seems like this really cool theme that's like underlying in this whole book. Yeah. I'm really glad you noticed that because Akshaya is kind of the antithesis of Jackson. 
So if we, if you speak Enneagram, let's say Akshaya would be a seven and um, Jackson would be a four. So Akshaya is the ultimate optimist. She squeals. She's so excited about everything. Um, And Jackson kind of takes you on this emotional roller coaster a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, he's bored, he's happy, he's that. And so, so I, I purposely paired them at the end there because I, I wanted to show how you do need friends who are different than you, Mm. whether that's in this book, you know, we focus on who are culturally different than you, but also there's an element that we all need people who are even temperamentally different than us. Um, You know, for me, I know that we see this beautiful book that's been produced, but, um, but it definitely wasn't me on my own who got to the finish line. You know, there's plenty of times that I wanted to give up, um, but I have, a committee that I call around me that are all so different from me. I mean, I have a friend who is a, who will bulldoze over any problem in any situation. And she would literally not let me stop. So I have surrounded myself with different people in my life. I call them dream defenders who you know, sometimes when it's just you fighting for that dream, it gets really lonely and, and challenging. Um, but when you have some dream defenders around you who are a lot different than you, they can um, they can withstand some blows for you and they can divide some sorrows. So I definitely like to keep my committee close, <laughs> close by, you know, and then I even think about my son right now and, and Jackson's now seven. Um, and he was on a basketball team recently and he thinks he's Steph Curry and does all the moves. Don't, and- don't we all? <laughs> right. I know. Yes. I know. So, so yes, yeah, so he's on this basketball team and you know, I, there was um, some single moms that are, that have boys on the basketball team and, and my husband and I have made it a priority to, um, to engage these parents and to engage mm-hmm. these kids because they're not growing up in the same social economic class that my son is or the same culture as my son is. But I just think that there's something so special about these boys that my son needs to be around. Mm. Um, And so, so we do make that extra step. And right now they're, you know, their common ground is basketball. And so, so we try to find gyms and courts that we can invite them to and pick them up and, and go hang out. And while somebody would look at that and say, wow, you guys are really, you know, uh, are a blessing to these, to these boys, to us, I see it as this is a blessing to my son yeah. um, to have this, this perspective on, on life. That's not so me focused. You're such a good parent. I remember it reminds me, my mom did somewhat a similar thing for me when I was growing up. I was one of the few white kids on on a football team and I was the quarterback and I didn't have many friends. And I started connecting with these guys who were not like me at all. In fact, most of them were black and they all became my best friends. And my mom started this thing where during the season, she would invite all of these guys over to my house and she would, you know, none of them had cars. So she would drive all of them to my house. And I remember... It was homecoming week and I was a sophomore in high school and my mom thought it'd be fun to like dye my hair, dye my hair blonde. And all my friends were like, Hey, Miss McGee, can you dye my hair too? (laughs) So imagine a white mom (laughs) in a white house with white people's hair dye 
dying right. all these black. I mean, all my black yeah. uh, friends, their all their hair turned orange. Yes. And it was the funnest memory I've ever yeah. had in my life. But I love that you're doing right. that. And I hope some of us as leaders would even think like, how do we do that in like in the context of our ministries? And when I think about your book, it's beautiful. The art design is crazy. All these kids have these beautiful, you know, artistic things. And I know you probably had this idea like, diversity was the theme or uniqueness was the theme or friendship was the theme mm-hmm. or trust and honor. Like there's so many themes that you can pull out of this. And I just think that's what any good art does, mm-hmm. right? It allows the mind and it allows the reader to really take what they need from it. And so when you think about the intentionality that you put into this book and you think about the art and you think about the beauty, like how did how did that all happen for you? Like, can you tell us about why the intentionality, how the intentionality came about? What was that work like for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the story I, I wrote in my forward in the book, I wrote this to, to children everywhere and then also to my boys. This is something that anytime I have an opportunity to write something to my boys, I always add this. It's a mantra. In the book, I shortened it and said to every kid out there, You are never aimlessly wandering through life. You have a purpose, you are known, and you are loved. And I think that that was kind of the genesis of the message. If you want to think about it like this, you can kind of categorize this book into three different messages. There's the me message that I matter, I have purpose, I belong here, I didn't sneak into this earth. I'm not aimlessly wandering like maybe I feel right now, but I'm known and I'm loved. And that's so important for every person to know that. And then there's the we message of how do I include others into my world to make it more colorful? And then lastly, there's the God message, which is hopefully very plain and and simple to see in this book, but that God created us all so unique and we all add value and God delights when we spend time with one another. So there's three messages. There's me, we, and then there's, and then there's God. And, um, you know, even as I was thinking about this podcast last night, um, a friend of mine posted a video of of her mom. And I actually, the forward for this book was something that I took from a friend of ours. She passed away now, but her name's Gail McWilliams. And, um, and Gail had this condition where after her first pregnancy, she lost part of her sight. Mm. And they concluded that it was the pregnancies that were causing her to lose her sight. And they told her, you probably, if you get pregnant again, you might go blind. She went on to have four more children Oh, geez. And went completely blind. And she was a go-getter. She has written tons of books. She was the most positive person I've ever been around. She has five incredible children, adult children now. And, and she always told them this, you have purpose. You mm. were born on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. And the, her kids, and as adults, can recite this till this day. And I just thought, man, if if I could carry that message on to children everywhere, I mean, it's no surprise. Like we're living in, in some times that I think as parents, we're a little scared (laughs) if we're honest. Um, I think God has created our children for this time and we shouldn't fear um, because he's going to equip them. 
But the biggest thing to me that I see is just identity of who you are. And so if a child can know that they were born on purpose and with a purpose, um, like Gail said, then they can have the confidence to see that in somebody else. You know, you guys have this beautiful clothing line that I love. And you guys have these shirts that I'm going to buy all of them. So hurry up if you want to buy them. <laughs> can I get a promo code or something for these shirts? Wait, so which shirt? Because I'll just, do you not have a, what shirt? Because we can just send you one. Come on. I love your shirts on kindness. Yeah. About raising kind humans. Raising kind humans. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think what a mantra to live your life by. Like I'm going to raise kind humans. Yeah. And I think this is, this is like the genesis of teaching kids how to be kind Mm. is to be kind to people who are not like you. All right. Before I jump into my next question. Yes. Do you have one of those shirts yet? No, I don't. (gasps) Done. We're sending you one. (laughs) We're sending you one right now. And then maybe we put these on sale or something and we make you like our ambassador. Who knows? I don't know. Um, Now, listen, you're talking a lot about parenting right there. So let's pull out of like the leader space for like two seconds. And when I hear you talk, it motivates me to have the right conversations with my kids. Like it, I'm thinking back to myself, like what conversations am I having with my kids? What, what questions do I not even know that are out there? So when you think about helping someone like me who has four kids, or you think about um, the people who are listening right now, who are navigating um, culture wars, you know, and they're navigating, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe my church says this about, you know, the culture and maybe my church says this and we're all on such different sides of the spectrum. Like, are there anything when you think about this book and putting this into the world, mm-hmm. what would be the most helpful thing for parents to have conversations with, with their kids about when you think about this book? Like, are there any conversation starters? Are there, are there three things that you'd be like, and here's what we've done with our kids, like any parenting advice right now? Yeah, I think, you know, like I mentioned, my son's seven. And so I'm learning the value of asking him questions Mm. first. He and all all kids are a lot more intuitive and inquisitive than we even imagine. And so sometimes, honestly, when I'm asking him questions, I'm like quietly saying a prayer of like, Holy Spirit, help me what to say when the question is, when his answer is done. Um, And so, so yeah, so I, you know, if you're reading this book at the end of it, I think it, the feedback that I've gotten is that it naturally opens up a discussion. That's cool. Um, But if you still need, you know, a little bit of a push, I always start with, you know, who added color to Jackson's world? Um, That's where I start. And then, Mm. you know, who adds color to your world? And then moving it a step for a step further of, you know, what do you think we can do to add more color to our world? Mm. And I think you sit back and let kids, you know, their natural inclination is to bring people close. And like we talked about at the top of this um, podcast, there is this line of, you know, yeah, this is my brother. This is my sister. Yeah. And you look completely different. Um, yeah. And so to allow that to kind of steer the conversation and let trust that with just the conversation that God is opening up their heart to kindness towards others. That's awesome. I don't know if you know that you did this, but you just flipped the script on that whole me, we, God thing, right? Because in your advice, even in asking questions, you started with like, who, who put color into the world? 
Um, And how does that person who put color in the world see you? And if he sees you that way, how does he see everyone else? Um, Mm -hmm. Which is a really beautiful way to look at it. When you think about church leaders who are listening to this, why is this a good resource? I mean, speak for yourself. Why is this a good resource for the church? Yeah, I think, you know, this conversation um, is not an easy one to have. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit that even for myself, it's not an easy conversation for parents or especially for leaders. It's, it's just not simple enough. So we think. I think that this book is so valuable to a leader because I'm starting the conversation for you. Mm. Um, And so with this book, when I created it, what I did was, you know, I I said, okay, we're taking this really complex topic and with anybody, especially children, you know, when they're learning their alphabets, we don't throw all of the letters at them at one time, you know, especially writing them. You throw like learn all the alphabets. We start, we clear the page and we start with one. And this is my version of clearing the page mm. and just starting with a really bite-sized um, perspective on this. And then allowing you as the leader in your authority and in your anointing to carry on that conversation to B, C, D, and all the way through until adolescence and so yeah. on. I love that. We do want people to go buy the book. That's, I mean, we're talking about it today. We think it's valuable. It's valuable in my life. It's already been valuable in my life. Um, I mean, for instance, I learned from Akshaya and I'm going to be more yeah. like Akshaya. I'm going to, I'm going to speak into people's worlds and let them know what I already see around them. And I think that's just beautiful. And I want to do that. But when you look at this book, you probably wrote it for a children's audience. It's geared towards like anywhere from a, a three-year-old to a nine-year-old, you know, and that's kind of mm-hmm. the target for what it looks like. But the conversation that you can have from this for a family, I have, I have teenagers, I have a daughter going mm-hmm. into ninth grade. We have to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So reading this with my entire family and not just with my little kids is such a huge, huge win. I We're about to have to wrap up. I know this time has flown by and it's been so much fun having uh, this conversation. You're wise beyond your years. I mean, if you only have a seven-year-old, you only have to be what? I mean, what are you like, 20? You know, it's like, you're so Ish, young. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so wise and I so appreciate that. And for our leaders who are listening to this, I, I want you to answer one more question if you could. Like, What's at stake for the next generation if we don't help our kids, our personal kids, and then the students and the kids that we've been entrusted with to help value and honor this conversation? You know, what's at stake? Gosh, I think what's at stake is perpetuating a generation that is me-focused, Mm. is applauding personal victories, but not collective victories. Um, and the antithesis of that is, you know, if we, if we do fight, because sometimes it feels like a fight, um, to, to move the dial of, of kids learning that it's the world that God created all of us, that it's a little bit bigger than just me and my world. Um, I think we create what you guys are talking about is a kind generation. You know, I tell my son all the time, he'll come home and he'll say, this is the worst day ever. And you know, all of these things. And, um, and I just, you know, you are so cute, but the world does not revolve around you, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) You sure are darn cute, 
but the world does not revolve around you. And sometimes I say to him, and I almost feel like I'm learning that lesson in my own right. But on a, on a more serious note, I think that, you know, we, we don't want to raise a generation that is so me focused. I think that we need to raise a generation that's kind. That's so good. Hey, thank you so much. Um, I've enjoyed this so much. I hope we can do this again at some point because you've got so much more in you and I know I can see it. Um, I needed your wisdom. So for leaders out there, if you've listened to this today, one, go get this book for your families, put it on your shelves at your church, buy it for a teacher, put it in a classroom, like, and enjoy all the art, enjoy the beauty of it. But most of all, I hope this will draw all of us to have deeper conversations and meaningful conversations with our kids and to celebrate everyone who is around us. So Amanda, thank you. We love you. We're thankful you wrote this book. Thanks for being here. And uh, for all of you listening, be kind to each other and to yourselves. Uh, We'll see you all real soon. We want to thank Amanda for joining us. Now, if you enjoyed listening to this conversation, you can purchase Amanda's book, Jackson and the Not-So-Colorful Day, in the Orange Store at orangestore.com or wherever books are sold. We would also love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. By the way, we love this review by Caleb. He said, this is hands down the best family ministry podcast out there. It covers anyone leading ministries from birth through high school. The topics, the interviews, and messages are relevant and great. It's also fun, which makes it even better. Well, Caleb, we're glad that you enjoy it. Thank you so much for the review. And we would love for you to join us at Orange Tour to continue learning what it means to be more human. Go to orangetour.org to save your seat for our one-day training event for leaders and volunteers in a city near you. We'll see you next time on the Think Orange podcast. Orange Tour.